This is Chuck Wilson on Sports, featuring professional and amateur athletes, coaches at all levels, parents, educators, officials, and others, sharing insight and perspective from the playing field and discussing issues that impact the game. Chuck Wilson on Sports and our Peer into Character Conversations are presented by Evenfield, a recognized nonprofit organization cultivating integrity, life skills, and leadership through sports. Now, here's Chuck. In nearly a half century of coaching football, Dante Scarnecchia built a remarkable body of work as a position coach, earning praise for his ability to teach and motivate players. Coach Scar, as he came to be known, coached in college for 12 years, then in the NFL for 36 years, 34 with the New England Patriots. Remarkably, he coached in 10 Super Bowls and has five Super Bowl rings. Dante was assistant head coach for Bill Belichick for 14 seasons, and he filled other coaching roles. But perhaps he is best remembered for his work as offensive line coach for 21 seasons. In the summer of 2020, following his retirement from coaching, Dante joined me on a football field to talk about leadership, team culture, the qualities he looks for in a player, and how the Patriots staged the biggest comeback in Super Bowl history. Through it all, the longtime coach provides valuable advice for athletes, coaches, and parents. I hope you enjoy it. You grew up in East LA. I did. Take us back to early childhood. What was the role that sports played in your life? I gravitated towards football. My dad was loved Notre Dame, and so I watched a lot of college football with him on black and white TV. And I would say that, you know, for me personally, there wasn't a day that I didn't go down to, you know, half a block to the local elementary school and do something out there every day. We'd play whatever was in season. It was football, it was baseball, basketball. You know, we just did it all and never let a day go by without going over there. It's what we did. It's what you had to do at that time, you know? What was that early experience like? For me, it was really good in a lot of ways. Most importantly, you know, it gave me a, a way to expend all the energy I had outside doing things I love to do. And, and I honestly, that's where I probably had my first inclination that maybe I wanted to do something along the lines of coaching. There was a, you know, a guy that opened a playground up after school every day and uh, organized the team activities for all the kids that were there. And there were a lot of kids there. And we used to call him Red because he had red hair and he was a college student. And he just organized it. And I remember that was my first thought. I said, man, this guy's got the greatest job in the world. He was probably making a buck an hour. <laughs> but uh, I didn't know that and I didn't care about it. I just thought how good it would be to go out and do something like he was doing, be outside playing sports or organizing sports. And that's, that's where I probably first got my first inclination. You know, many athletes have been told sometime along the way that they lacked something, couldn't do something. You weren't that big. No. But you, but it, you ended up playing positions that require usually some size. When was the first time that you heard somebody tell you that you weren't going to be able to do a certain thing, weren't going to be able to achieve a goal that you had? 
You know, I don't know. I, I, I know that when I was in college, and I went to junior college, like a lot of kids in California did, and, um, you know, I thought, boy, I'm, you know, I'm going to play two years, and I'm going to go to SC or somewhere, and they, they really weren't very interested in me. <laughs> and the same thing was true when I got out of high school, you know, I knew it. So, I mean, reality hit real fast for me, and I, I had a pretty good awareness is that I was short, and I was didn't weigh very much, and I was going to be a lineman, and and but none of that mattered to me. And I was the first when you first asked that question. I was thinking about what we do in the draft every year, and what we do in the draft every year is identify a lot of the negatives and kind of don't dwell as much on the positives as much as we do. And uh, you know, it, it brings me to a, a really strong point that I've always had. A lot of people are going to tell you what you can and what you can't do. And, you're not good enough to do this. You're not good enough to do that. And I think you got to make make them prove it, man. I think you, and you just take it all as a challenge. And uh, and I and I that's why I have such a great affinity for the guys that come out in the draft every year that maybe are a little bit too slow and aren't a little bit fast enough and aren't long enough with their arms and all that other stuff. But when you watch them play, they play really good. And and if you just if there's enough of the measurables there, you. You say, I like that guy. I want that guy. Let's get that guy on our team. And I think that transcends everything that happens in, in our lives, you know. Everyone will be willing to say, oh, you're not very smart. Your grades weren't that good. You know, you only went to this school. Who cares? Prove it. Prove it. You got that's the greatest thing that we have, all of us. Prove it. Make them wrong. What do you look for in a player? Three things that, you know, as far as offensive linemen, they gotta be smart. They don't have to be a genius now. They gotta be smart enough, okay? And especially in our system, if they're they're just not smart, they're gonna have a hard time. They gotta be tough. If they're not tough, you, you can't make a player physically tough. You can't. You know that old saying about if that dog doesn't bite you when it's a pup, it's not gonna bite you. And that's really true. If you could take a guy and because the scouts say, well, you know, he's really great athlete and he's really smart, but he's not very tough and you can make him tough. No, you can't. I don't think you can. I think you can make him mentally tough by coaching him hard, but you can't make him physically tough. And then the last thing, and it really is the last thing for me, they have to be athletic enough to play the positions you want them to play. So the center's got to be able to reach the front side gap and Tackle, the left tackle's got to be able to protect the blind side. The right tackle's got to be a powerful guy. They, gotta be, they have to be athletic enough to do the things you want them to do, and that's what I always look for. And what are the habits that you want to see in players? And I'm thinking now that of kids that may be in middle school, maybe in high school, that want to prove themselves. What should they focus on? Well, habits, I'm, we talked about this before. Habits to me are the most important thing because there's two, ty two types of habits. There's good habits and bad habits. And those kids that have really good habits that, you know, that study really hard and, you know, use every minute of their time to their advantage. Uh, kids that um, have the habit of doing the right things, not getting into a car with other kids that have been drinking or not going places where you're not wanted. And, um, and there's bad habits, you know, which is kind of the opposite of what we just talked about. And I think the more 
good habits you can develop as a person, um, better off you're going to be in this life. One of the Patriots codes for your offensive lineman is train yourself to play with good habits. Yep. What does that mean at younger levels? What does that mean for a middle schooler or high schooler? I think it means when your coach asks you or tells you to, you know, finish blocks and, and don't stop until the whistle blows. Play always starts with the snap count and ends with the whistle. Doesn't matter, you know, it's for everybody. But, but train yourself to play with the habits that you've been asked and taught to play with. And if you do that, you're gonna be one of those guys that's gonna be hard to get out of the lineup or they're gonna find ways for you to play and find things for you to do because they can trust you. And that all goes along with accountability too. I think that, that kids can be trained to do things the right way. I, we've been homeschooling our grandkids here for the last three months and um, it's kind of like coaching, you know, and I've, you, you, you know, tell them, hey, you, you got you to gotta write legibly. You, you got to have the right space in between your words. And they're in elementary school, obviously, and you, you got to take pride in everything you do and all those things that have been part of my life teaching the game of football for 48 years, I find myself saying a lot of the same things to our two grandkids, age 10 and 11, how important it is to do things the right way. And, and you know, I really honestly, Chuck, I like to think that over the last three months that, you know, you, see, you really have seen a difference in these two, and, and I think we have. Practicing the right way is, is huge. Yeah. Uh, and, and applying the effort the right way. And that's where the coaching comes in. Yep. And one of the key things I know you've talked to your players about and to coaches about is the ability to listen. Yep. Why? Well, I think listening is just taking in all the information that's given to you, processing it, and then ultimately seeing it come out the way that whoever's taught you wanted to see it come out. And I, th I think listening is the key to everything, man. I, and especially in coaching. Coaches are the worst listeners there ever was. I've been in staff meetings where you can just tell guys aren't listening. and or when you're, you're training other coaches, they're more intent on telling you what they know when they've asked you a question as opposed to listening what you said. But I think that listening is so important in so many ways and paying attention because in, in the information that's imparted to you, those are the answers to the test. If you really understand them and process them and and play to those things, you're gonna play, and you're gonna be a guy that's reliable. So, listening is a key. What builds a positive team culture? What are those attributes that you need to have with the players, with the coaches, that end up putting together a really positive environment in which you can succeed? I think that culture of the team is driven by two things. I think you have a, a team. At the high end of the team, five, the top 5%, those are your leaders of leaders. Those are the best guys you got. And that, but it's about 5%. They're gonna do everything you want them to do. They're gonna lead the team. They're gonna, they're gonna be the best. There's a 5% at the bottom. 
They're not, going, they're not following this program no matter what. And some of them are good players. Some of these guys way up here are not the greatest players, but they're pretty good players. Some of these guys are pretty good players. Some of them aren't so good. And in between, there's 90%. Now, who are they going to gravitate to? If that five, top 5% has the voice, that 5% at the bottom, they got nothing. Okay? And no one wants to hear what they have to say. No one's going to follow them because everybody's going to push up there. But that top 5% isn't as strong as you'd like them to be, then all of a sudden, you know, that, that culture gets a little bit weighted towards the bottom, and it's not as good as you'd like it to be. So however you can find that top 5% and feed them and say, hey, look at fellows, we got, we got to make sure we get more out of them. They may be your captains, captains they may not. And uh, they may be your starters, some of them may not. But they're the guys that, you know, have a, their voices sound and strong, and they're usually the guys that carry it. You got to find those guys. What are the behaviors that you need to have in that leadership role? So the usual great qualities we talked about. You got to show up on time. You know, got to be great listeners. Got to be leaders in the meeting rooms, in the weight room, on the field. I mean, it transcends everything because. You can't, if your leaders aren't willing to go in there and lift weights and work hard and run the, help run the off-season program, especially at the lower levels in high school in the summer when no one wants to come out here, uh, but your, your team leaders say, we're going to go out here, we're going to run today, we're going to throw the ball around because the coaches can't be here. Those are the guys that make your team stronger. I've always thought that intentional leadership is really important. You know, what are your intentions and what behaviors are you exhibiting that back up the principles you believe in? And Pete Brock made a really interesting point, and he said, you know, not all leadership is intentional. And he pointed to John Hanna. Yeah. And he said John Hanna simply showed by how hard he worked, but he didn't really, quote-unquote, try to be a leader. What yep. are your thoughts on that? I think Pete has it exactly right you know and when you watch John practice you, all you could just say was wow you know and there are those guys you know that they're just pit bulls and you I think as a coach you want to make people know and 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 highlight those guys as much as you can and you do it in your film session and say take a look at this guy here on this play fellas and that's how we want to play right there and that kid may never be able to say it but if, as a coach, you got to let them know, hey, that's what we're looking for right here. And I think that, you know, that's a great example of guys doing it. One of the things that struck me in a conversation with, with Steve Grogan was that he considered himself a football player, not a quarterback. Hmm. And you see so many parents and so many kids who at a very young age have already picked out what position they're going to play where the focus really ought to be on how am I going to get on that football field and make a difference? Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's all true. I think that there's, we are in an age of specialization, you know, in particular at the skill positions. You know, we got these guys, quarterback guru, gurus all over the nation, and they have these quarterback camps, and everybody wants to see their kid. Look, in football, there's only one football, and quarterback touches it on every play, and you know, everybody wants their kid to play that position and on and on and on. I think it's much better served for kids to go out, enjoy it. They'll find their niche. 
and the coaches will help them find their niche, okay? And, uh, you know, and that usually has a way of working itself out. The key to it all, and, and to having a joyful experience, has always been two things, playing, all right, and participate. The joy you get in playing the game, and the joy you get in playing the game, maybe not to the levels of the starters, but participating in some way, and lastly, contributing to the success of the team. I think that's important. How can a young player stand out and be noticed by coaches? Do what's asked of you to do in the meetings. Never be a kid that gets yelled at because, you know, he's not paying attention, not doing what they ask you, not practicing the way you want them to practice. You know, those are, you either stand out because you do something really good, you stand out because you do something bad. And then somewhere in there, in the middle, is guys that, you know, for the most part are okay. But, you know, you want to gravitate to that other side. Let's talk a little bit about uh, effort and attitude. Evenfield, we're always really pushing the things that each of us control. What does that mean to you as a coach? I think it means everything, you know. I mean, the amount of effort that's expended on every play. And, you know, if it's really high, you're never going to have a you know, squabble with that guy. You're never going to have a disagreement with him, and it'll only make them better. And, and get a lot of guys to play like that, you're going to have a really, really good team. Attitude, you know, the right attitude. Every day I'm coming in here, I'm going to work as hard as I can work. I'm going to do everything that I've been asked to do and, and, and try to get that attitude to radiate uh, throughout the room and throughout the team. And, you know, usually it just makes everybody better. How do you help kids channel their emotions in positive ways? How can coaches, how can parents, and how can kids learn to do that? Because we even see at the, at the professional level, sometimes the emotions that help to drive you as an athlete actually can work against you. You yeah. pick up a 15-yard penalty at just the worst time. What are your thoughts on how you can help uh, kids to learn that at an early age, how to channel their emotions. Yeah. I think it's no different than parenting. You know, if you see behavior that, that is not conducive to uh, the things you value or in a football context that hurts the team, you got to let them know. You got to let them know. And you got to say, and you got to tell them why. And, um, and you got to make them see it within that context that it is that behavior is hugely important. So I think it's all about you know standing up and telling them exactly how you feel. Let's talk about the, the role of character and building trust in one another. Yeah, one of the things we have always uh, told the players within the offensive line room is you know trust the guys around you and build their trust in you. Okay. First off, I'm going to trust you, okay? And then you're going to build my trust in you by doing what I expect you to do as I have to build your trust in me because I'm going to do exactly what, what I'm supposed to do with you, like on a double team block. We're going to do this exactly right because I mean, you're going to trust me and I'm going to trust you and we're, and we're going to do, exactly, do it exactly the way it needs to be done. So I think that that trust is something that comes intrinsically from your own self and 
and then as you get familiar with the people around you, say, man, I, can, I know this guy, I know this guy, and we're going to be all right here. And I think that that's, that's what it's all about. And, and the trust also comes in when things are going bad. I think the best example is the Patriots in Super Bowl 51. Yes, you have to have great ability to be able to come back from a, you know, 28 to 3 deficit midway third quarter. And you may even need a couple of mistakes by, in this case, the Falcons. But in so many teams, Dante, there would have been bickering on the sideline, offense getting on the defense or vice versa. Instead, the Patriots were able to stay together as a team, focus on what needed to be done. Can you take us back? How were the Patriots able to do that? And how can teams at lower levels learn to be able to have that trust, that focus to be able to, to execute like that? You know, I, I, I just think that that night, you know, we had run so many plays in the first half and didn't really have much to show for it, but we'd run a lot of plays and never punted. So we went in at halftime not doing very well. And, you know, there was some hope and didn't start out great even in the second half. But, but to your point, there, there was no bickering and guys just, once we started getting some momentum and just rolling, you know, and our defense played so well, and it just became a, a situation where you know, all the things that we had built during the course of that year, from the spring, the previous spring, all the way through the season, all manifested themselves in that last, whatever it was, quarter and a half. And um, they, just, they just did everything that we needed to do to win a game like that. I, I think that's where the culture of the team came in. You know, one of the Patriots' codes for your O-line, when pressure is at its greatest, you're able to focus, concentrate, do your job. Well, I think that you got to play your best football when it counts the most. And every time you can, you know, take one of those experiences on the practice field, one of those coachable moments and say, look at this play we just made here. This is when it really counted the most, down in the red zone or on the goal line. And this is why it was that way. And this is what we're striving for, not just here, but all over the football field. And so it's a matter of just educating and, and enlightening them on those things. You're an incredibly demanding coach over the years, and yet players responded really well because, others have said, you showed them that you cared about them, that you really wanted each of them to be able to maximize their abilities. What do you want to say to youth coaches who are trying to get the best out of their players, but they're dealing with kids? I think that you have to look at them, especially with the young kids, and keep reinforcing the things that you want to see them do at practice, okay? And they all won't be able to do them right, especially when they're younger, but th there will be some that really will do it right. And you gotta show it, that's what we want. This is what we want the pitcher to look like. And this is how we want everyone to play. When you see it, you have to keep reinforcing it and praising it. And in contrast, even at the youth level, you gotta say, you know, really that's not good enough. It can't be, Chuck, everything they do can't be. Good job, way to go, exactly. that's good. It's not always good. And you gotta let them know, it's no different than parenting your kids. 
boy, you were great today. I'm so proud of you. You know, you did all the stuff. And you know what? You, you didn't do this. You didn't do this. I know, but you got to do this. But you're demanding of the things they control. That's right? Exactly right. That's the real key here because they need that kind of feedback as long as they know that that correction is about helping them become a better player and a better contributor to the team and isn't it about trying to call them out and embarrass them and so on. Yeah, I agree. It's all about nurturing and fostering and building good habits and I think that's what a coach's job is. That's what a youth coach's job is too. For youth coaches, I think what's really important for them is that you know, that they, they study the game, they learn the game, and most importantly, they teach kids how to practice the game that build good habits and train them how to play the game as efficiently as they can. When I was young in coaching, I was a graduate assistant at Iowa State, and I was a very good friend with an elder coach, and he taught me one thing that has made a huge impact on my life, and what he said to me was that you're not seeing your drills on your game tapes and you're not doing the right drills. And he was so right. And uh, I've learned over the years that everything we do at practice has to look like how we want it to look in the game. And that only comes with putting a lot of thought into how you want, what you want them to do at practice, how you want them to do it, the tempo you want them to do it in, because all of it's going to manifest itself come Friday night, Saturday, or Sunday, if they're lucky, and uh, it's going to be exactly the way you want them to do it. And I think that that's the most important thing about coaching is to teach them how to play the way you want them to play. If a young coach asked me, what's a great way to coach? I would tell them, you have to be you first. Whatever you is, has been plenty good to get you to this point. And, you know, don't try to be like that guy, that guy, that guy. That, that'll come, okay? You're going to be part of somebody as you go. We've all done that. The most important thing is to be yourself and try to build on the best things you do. Don't beat them up with overkill as far as tough coaching and all the rest of that. Tough coaching will come. They'll appreciate tough coaching if they see that it's going to make them better. That's really important to them as people, especially in the pros. When I first started in pro football, I coached the same way I did in college football. And what I learned about pro players is, is if they thought you could make them better, they would listen and do anything you wanted them to do. Because they all want to be better. Because if they're better, they get to stay. And that's all they can ask for. What are you concerned about that you've seen in, in youth coaching? I think that a lot of guys, that, and I appreciate their time and willingness to get involved, I think that it can't just be about putting a whistle around your neck and, and walking around and, you know, and, and not being enthusiastic about what you want them to do and not, you know, setting up, you got to set up your practice so you get the most out of every minute so that you don't have two guys doing something and 12 guys watching. You know, you have to be, you have to, it has to be the very best that you can provide for the kids to get, to train them and teach them, nurture them, to make them better people, better players. Talk about mental toughness. Mental toughness a lot of times is, is all the times developed on the practice field. How you practice, how hard you practice. And I'm not talking about 
beating each other up every day at all. I'm talking about, you know, practicing hard, finishing blocks, you know, being in the right football positions, the safest football positions, so no one gets hurt. And uh, I think that's what it's all about. And I think that there's, you know, I think that that can be improved in a lot of ways. What's the most important attribute that a coach needs? I think work ethics is hugely important. How hard you're going to work to be successful, I think that's really important. Having a great plan for every day, you know. What do you want to get out of this meeting? What do you want to get out of this practice today? When this day is over, I want to be able to go home and say, man, this was a good day. And I think that that's unbelievably important, is getting the most out of every day you got and getting the most out of the players every day you can. 48 years coaching, yeah. 36 in the National Football League, went to 10 Super Bowls, winning five times. Bill Belichick said of you, in an industry of constant change, Dante remained a fixture here for the simple reason that he helped every player reach his highest potential, regardless of who he was, how he was acquired, or how much raw talent he had. Whatever category a coach can be assessed, evaluator, teacher, motivator, problem solver, disciplinarian, team player, winner, Dante is as good as it gets. Uh, he's very kind to say that, you know. I, I don't know if any of that's true, but I, I appreciate him saying it. Um, I think those things are really important. Um, that's probably a lot of those things are what we've been talking about, you know. And um, I, I got his, I got a lot out of this game, man. I got a lot out of it. It's what I dreamed about doing when I was 12 years old, you know, and um, I'm grateful for every second I've been a part of it, really. Leave us with this. Give a really good piece of advice to a middle schooler or high schooler who wants to maximize their abilities in anything they're doing. Yeah. Show up every day. Um, work hard. Do what you've been asked to do. And most importantly, if you don't understand, ask questions. Ask questions. Be a great listener. Listen to all the information that's being imparted to you and then take it to the field and show them you know what you're doing. Dante, great pleasure. Thanks so yeah, much. Yeah, my pleasure, Chuck. Thank you. Quite a career. Dante Scarnecchia with valuable perspective and advice for young athletes, coaches, and parents. This presentation was written and produced by Chuck Wilson. On-site recording by On The Outs Productions. Editing by Chris Gemma. Narration and theme music by Patrick Runblad, licensed through premiumbeat.com. If you'd like to hear more from Dante, check out a previous interview Chuck recorded with the coach at a Patriots alumni football for you youth clinic. You can watch a video of that conversation on Evenfield's YouTube channel or listen to the audio version wherever you get your podcasts. As with all of our audio and video interviews, a transcript is available on our website at evenfield.org. We thank Dante Scarnecchia. Over the years, the coach has granted few interviews. To our knowledge, this is the first time he has spoken at such length on camera about youth sports participation, coaching, and parenting. It was through Evenfield's nonprofit partnership with the New England Patriots Alumni Club on its Football for You free youth clinics for children and their families that Dante offered these insights for Patriots alumni and Evenfield youth sports audiences. We want to thank Pete Brock, president of the New England Patriots Alumni Club and longtime director on our nonprofit board. 
We also thank Evenfield's board of directors and the following in particular for their support of Evenfield's mission and this multimedia production. Thomas J. Scala, the John and Jessica Pincus Family Fund, and highly regarded businesses in Rhode Island. The Vernus Group, trusted advisors, led by Mark Cruz, providing an array of comprehensive financial planning services for families and businesses. Epic Promotions. The Kuto family has four decades of experience in printing, branding, and marketing. Thank you, Barry, Adam, and Keith. Graphic Innovations, a New England leader in large format printing, graphics, and vehicle wraps, our thanks to Jim Larkin and his team. Chuck Wilson on sports and our peer into character conversations are presented by Evenfield, promoting integrity, life skills, and leadership through sports. If you enjoyed this program, please like us on Facebook and subscribe to this channel. And if you believe our content has value and you're in position to support us, a donation of any amount, big or small, would be appreciated. Evenfield is a recognized 501c3 nonprofit organization, and donations to Evenfield are tax deductible to the full extent allowed by law. You can learn more about our organization at evenfield.org. I'm Mark Kestisher. And I'm Chuck Wilson. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.